Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Back to the biker angle! I think everybody's really loving this layout that we're doing. That way they can actually see the articles instead of grabbing at me for, uh, you know, Yeah, you're using the biker gang thing! That's fake news! Oh my god, whatever. Anyway, out of the Twin Cities uh, area, this from TwinCities.com, and it's uh, written by Sarah Horner. St. Paul man gets 30 A's for motorcycle gang attack on Bouncer. There it is, guys. You know, this is the stuff I read, so don't come after me. It's right there in black and white. And you do got to ask yourself, okay, they attacked a Bouncer, a guy who's just doing his job. Do you call that a club thing or a gang thing? I'm just asking. It's a debate. Let me know in the bottom, and don't forget to subscribe and like the video, by the way. Ya hooligans. Anyway, one of the men involved in the assault of a bouncer at the St. Paul Saloon last fall was sentenced to 30 days in jail and placed on probation for five years for his role in the incident. Now, I believe Black Dragon, he actually had an interview with one of the guys that were involved in this, so you might want to go over there and check out the video. Uh, you know, he's got their side of the story, and that's one of the things that I believe is important is to get both sides of the story, but you can't if the clubs don't, you know, put it out there. Anyway, this is what the citizens got to deal with then. Ramsey County District Judge Judith Tilson sentenced Patrick Thomas Mikoski this week on one count of third-degree assault resulting in substantial bodily harm. There's old Patrick right there. The sentence comes about a month after the 50-year-old St. Paul man pleaded guilty to other felony counts including committing a crime for the benefit of a gang were dismissed. Now my question is this, okay? Now, those of you who know the system, this is a little fishy to me. You know, it really is. Uh, he only got, let's see here, what was it? 30 days? 30 days in jail and placed on probation for five years after pleading guilty to two felony counts. Uh, yeah, hmm. I just be careful. That's all I'm just telling you guys with the motorcycle club. Be careful. Because that, I never, I wish I got 30 days if I've ever did two felonies. Anyway, Mikowski and three other men, Joseph Michael Prattner, 35, John George Johnson, 57, and Justin Raymond Wainer, 42, were accused of being involved in an attack on a bouncer at the St. Paul Bar last November 9th. Authorities say the incident stemmed from the bouncer's refusal to allow clothing representing the Hell's Outcast gang in the establishment. 
according to criminal complaints filed in the case. So basically, the bar had a no colors uh, policy, and they were all mad, and the bouncer was just doing his job, and all kinds of stuff flew out. Now, this is not a good way to get the citizens behind you. Just saying. Guy's just doing his job. Anyway, the bouncer repeatedly confronted Prattner about wearing Hell's Outcast gang colors sometime late last October or early November. At the time, a Los Valentes Motorcycle Club member intervened, telling Prattner and other Hell's Cast or Hell's Outcast member to leave the bouncer alone because he was just a kid making some extra money, the complaint said. Hey, you got to give it to that motorcycle club member right there. Shouts out, rock on. The kid, you know what? He is just a kid. And he's trying to make money. You know what? He's doing what he's supposed to at his job. And, you know, the bar had a no colors policy, so it's not on him. Prattner returned to the bar November 9th, that time wearing a Hell's Outcast sweatshirt when another man walked in wearing a Hell's Outcast vest. Quote, the bouncer politely told him he couldn't wear the garment in the bar, the complaint said. Well, they were already told you couldn't wear the colors in there. Now, you know, I don't know if you were trying to shake down the bar or whatever the hell you were doing, but, you know, why put yourself in a predicament like this? There's no hell, you know, no color sign on there. Don't patronage the bar and tell everybody else they got a no color sign, boycott it, but don't go after a kid who's freaking doing his job. Uh, that's when the bouncer suddenly found himself surrounded by patrons, including Mikowski and Johnson, court records say. Johnson sucker punched the bouncer from behind, uncool, and Mikowski and other Hell's Outcast members joined in punching and kicking the bouncer, according to the court documents. Basically, they got wolf-packed, uh, the guy. And, you know, i that's the thing. And I think that's what turns a lot of people off. I get it. I do. I really do. Uh, you know, one goes, everybody goes type of deal. But, yeah, again, and uh, the people complaining about the gang stuff. This is what happens, man. And then you want to call yourself the Motorcycle Club and blah, blah, blah. This kind of stuff don't play good, man. Now, I was once asked, uh, I think it was the other day, actually, well, what do I think about this club bringing in gang members and they don't have bikes? Well, guess what? I just report on Biker News. I really don't care about the politics. I'm going to give my opinion like an editorial would do, and then you guys hopefully will get both sides of the story if we can't provide it for you. If not, this is the side of the story you get, and it's a sad thing, you know. Again, uh, they put their side of the story out with Black Dragon, so I uh, encourage you to go over there. Uh, the bouncer was taken to the hospital. His eye was so swollen shut from the assault, and he was diagnosed with a torn cornea. Now, this guy was just doing his job. You know, this is the kind of stuff that really makes clubs ba look bad. Prattner reportedly stole the bouncer's gun during the altercation. Wayner is accused of threatening to shoot up the bar, court documents say. Now, let's just think about this for a second. You're in a bar. Who's in the bar? It's not all the bikers. It's all kinds of citizens. Now, what happened? Now, this one guy pleaded out. 
Now, if the others don't plead out or if somebody's, you know, riding against each other, who do you think might be sitting on that jury? The same people that were in that freaking bar, even though, you know, it shouldn't be like that. It could be one of their wives, nieces, nephews, sons, daughters sitting on that jury. And then they hear about this. See, that's why it makes no sense. If you don't, they have a no color policy again. Leave the bar alone, guys. But, hey, it's not me. You know what I mean? Uh, you want to boycott, do stuff like that, go to the different uh, confederations, see, you know, put them on the list to boycott them and stuff, get the word out. That would have been the way to handle it. After his arrest, Johnson told police they went to the bar to discuss why Los Valantes could wear their colors in the bar, but Hell's Outcast cannot. According to the complaint against him, Johnson claimed the bouncer replied, expletive those guys i'll shoot them and he quote he snapped as soon as he heard the word shoot and he punched a bouncer before he got shot both wayner and johnson have pled guilt not guilty to charges against them and their cases are pending now think about that for a minute this is where it gets uh kind of mm, you know one club of court you know john now this is one of the pers people charged uh, they're claiming that one club was able to wear the colors in the bars, but Hell's Outcasts cannot. Uh, so, so, supposedly, the guy, you know, you, you probably F-bombed them. Uh, and I, I don't know, man. Why? I don't know. I'm just going to keep going with the stories. You guys got to freaking make your own minds up if this was right or wrong. Uh, let's see here. Prattner entered an Alfred... Uh, plea this past September to one count of possession of a firearm by an ineligible person. The plea means Prattner maintains his innocence while acknowledging the state likely has enough evidence to convict him of a charge. He previously pleaded not guilty to all counts when in, which included first-degree aggravated robbery, second-degree riot, and committing a crime to benefit a gang, a sentencing hearing is scheduled in his December 11th on his case. So again, guys, what do you think about this? You know, the biker gang stuff, okay? Now you guys are starting to see what I go through with uh, the reading stuff. Yeah, we're, uh, we pay for, uh, it's called credits, Reuters or coins. But anyway, I feel that bringing this to you guys is a better way of actually seeing what we have to put out there and the importance of both sides of the story coming out. But me during the story coming from a citizen uh, view of thing, it, it, don't, it didn't look good. Uh, what happened, what I basically seen is... Uh, you know, and I'm talking on a citizen thing. I'm not talking about biker or any of that, but I'm just saying what they're seeing. It does not look good from this kind of report. And now you know why it's important to get your side of the story out because the citizens who vote and the citizens who sit on them juries, this is what they're fed, man. It's already in their minds. So with that, let's take a quick little break, man. Let's hear about HarleyLiberty.com, all the biker news, and we're going to come back. Uh, with the story about the Buffalo Soldiers. So, stay tuned. May I have your attention, please? Need your daily dose of biker news? 
Then what are you waiting for? Visit HarleyLiberty.com and keep up to date with all the happenings in the biker scene. And wait! There's more. Insane Throttle Biker News is now on Instagram. Come on over and give us a follow and get special video content not seen elsewhere on the net. Just type in Insane Throttle Biker News in the search bar. In your face, all over the place. We're online HarleyLiberty.com, you get all kinds of biker news, just not what we're doing here on Biker Angle, but everything. And by the way, you like the show, go ahead and hit the link below at PayPal and you to do some donations and stuff. That helps us out, you hooligans. Now this one, I love this story and I thought, you know what? We're always talking about the bad that happens in the biker scene. Let's go and talk about some good. This from the Daily Press. And this, of course, as you can see, has to do with the Buffalo Soldiers. And let's see here. Who's this written by? Lisa Vernon Sparks. All right. Uh, hundreds of Buffalo Soldier motorcycle clubs around the Northeast are revving up and riding into Hampton next week. They are coming to sponsor a charity event, something they've done here before, and check out the city for future events. Now, I don't know if you guys know the Buffalo Soldiers. They're a pretty cool-ass freaking motorcycle club group. And they do a lot, a lot of charity. And they're also very patriotic, very patriotic. Uh, but this time, dozens of clubs, including the Buffalo Soldiers of Hampton Roads Motorcycle Club, are heading to Hampton to learn more about the history of the first documented Africans who arrived in English North America in 1619 and how it connects to the legacy and heritage of the Buffalo Soldiers. Well, it's twofold, said Jeff. Oh, I ain't even gonna attempt that one, Jeff. I'm not gonna butcher that one. 65, a past president at the Hampton Roads chapter that consists of members mostly retired military and law enforcement. Yeah, you know what? With the, the Buffalo Soldiers, they have a huge presence of military, man. That's what's even better. I've seen them do patriotic events in the past. You know, real good group, if you ask me. In August, hundreds in Hampton Roads, many who traveled from outside the region to participate, honored those first-generation Africans during a 400th anniversary commemoration at Fort Monroe. There on the former military site of Fenwick Road is a state marker acknowledging those Africans' arrival. Coleman, a retired Army veteran, thank you for your service, served at Fort Monroe and also knows about its history as, quote, Freedom's Fortress, end quote. The place where three Hampton slaves during the Civil War sought asylum under Major Benjamin Butler, which sparked thousands of slaves seeking refuge at Fort Monroe. Quote, we thought it would be educational to visit the rich history that Hampton has to offer, Coleman said. We think there is a loose linkage between the first arrival and the great history of the Buffalo Soldiers. 
And it's going to have, a, you know, coming up right here about uh, the Buffalo Soldiers. And what a story it is. All the way back to the Civil War when uh, the Maine, uh, I think it was Maine or Massachusetts. It has to be one of those two where, you know, uh, the first regiments of uh, colored troops were put in the battle and stuff. Uh, in 1866, shortly after the Civil War, Congress established the first of all African-American military units to serve during peacetime. And back then, uh, that was uh, the Reformation and all that stuff. Oh boy, was it hard back then. The 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiments, shortly after those units formed, the 38th, 39th, 40th, and 41st Infantry Units were established. Later, the newer units were condensed into the 24th and 25th, according to the National Park Service website. These African-American soldiers escorted settlers, cattle, and workers laboring on the railroad, according to historical data. So they were a part of a huge exodus to the West. They went out there protecting our settlers, and you know what? They were poor, you know, I know it was before the time, but the Monroe Doctrine of going all the way from coast to coast, and they were a part of it, the, these soldiers. The Buffalo Soldiers also served an offensive uh, against American Indian tribes on frontiers from Montana to Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. On those battlefields, the soldiers' tendency and combat proudness earned them the nickname Buffalo Soldiers. You know what? I love history, and I love that clubs like the Buffalo Soldiers are into the history, the origins, and all that type of stuff. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Uh, the Buffalo Soldiers also uh, evolved as some of the first park rangers and caretakers of federal land. Fort Monroe National Monument Superintendent Terry E. Brown said, You know, I love this article so far because it's given so much history I didn't even know. And I know a lot of people didn't know out there. During the 19th century, when the West was being discovered, the U.S. used the Buffalo Soldiers to help protect the American Western frontier, and the first cowboys and explorers of the West are those soldiers, Brown said. He added that Hollywood has romanticized the American cowboy, but seldom included images of the Buffalo Soldiers. Well... That is pretty cool, man, right there, that they went out there help uh, settling uh, the West. That's awesome. Quote, the true cowboy was a black man on a beautiful horse and could shoot a can a mile away, Brown said. Think of park rangers in the woods and out in the country, and that was your first park rangers. As many as 250 people have registered for the event that begins October 11th and continues October 12th. With the charity ride to various American or um, uh, African American historic or heritage sites such as Hampton University and Fort Monroe, the ride is to raise funds for local charities and also for the proposed memorial honoring the Buffalo Soldiers at West Point, a 1.2 million dollar project. Kalaman said. The weekend activities also feature a black tie gala Saturday evening at Hampton Roads Convention Center. You know, it'd be nice, everybody, man, you get involved in this. And I think that uh, at the bottom of this article, they will actually have uh, information how you can get involved. The Northeast Frontier Buffalo Soldier Clubs under the banner of the National Association of Buffalo Soldiers and Troopers Motorcycle Club seek to preserve the legacy of those first African 
American Cavalry and Infantry Regiments. Now, this is just awesome stuff. Let's uh, go down here. Uh, let's see here. On the 11th, it talks about uh, where it's going to be. The paid event begins at 5, Friday at the uh, Embassy Suites. Uh, it continues uh, for the 400th anniversary of the first Amer uh, African Arrival charity ride. Uh, the cost is 85 for all the events, 20 for the charity ride. Ticket and registration info you can get uh, by calling the convention center and stuff. But what a story, man. You, uh, you got to love the story. Me, I love history. And this is some stuff that I really didn't know. I think it was Massachusetts was the first regiment in the Civil War. Uh, I'll check that. Don't quote me, but I believe that's who it was. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 But we're going to be talking about, yes, you got it. Harley Davidson again. They are making huge news right now, especially with the failed launch of the Livewire. Now, I found this real interesting. We're going to talk about how Tesla could rescue the U.S. motorcycle market. And we're also going to be talking about in the next segment how large motorcycles are dying here in the U.S. Great article that uh, I just found on this subject. But let's go to this right now. And this is out of Business Insider, Matthew DeBoard. Now, as you can see, there's your picture of the Livewire. And the Livewire is a nice looking bike. Problem is, again, everything with Harley-Davidson is the price, 30000 almost, probably with tax and uh, title uh, and all that good stuff. Now, you know, I love the design. It's sleek. And you know what? Many might be surprised I'm into electric motorcycles, okay? But I'm a bigger fan of Zero than anything Harley could put out there, you know. I'm into the Zero. I'm also into e-bikes and stuff like that because I do a lot of mountain bike riding. But uh, it's got a sleek design, man. You can't go against it it's a good looking bike but would i pay thirty thousand dollars for it uh, uh no uh, -uh no uh, uh, uh not even you know that has 150 mile range to it are you freaking kidding me no i wouldn't pay that kind of price okay anyway oh tesla stocks down today anyway uh, this is an opinion piece uh, where it says uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has said that the company isn't interested in making a motorcycle. And this is kind of your uh, time period, what we're going to discuss today. Uh, but the incipient electric motorcycle industry in the U.S. could use some help, which, you know, I don't think it needs a lot of help. Uh, it's like anything, man. Uh, you know, we had the VHS, then we went in slowly into DVDs, and now we're all streaming. It takes time to get into this kind of stuff, especially with technology uh, related. But give it a good five, six, seven years, and I think it's going to be an everyday thing you're seeing around. Uh, let's go. It keeps on going about motorcycle sales in the U.S. have been stagnant, and newer, younger riders aren't taking up the passion 
So the market needs something to spur it. Totally agree right there. Uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has said that the all-electric car maker is totally, completely uninterested in building a motorcycle. You know, but motorcycle manufacturer companies need to get, you know, buddy-buddy up with Tesla because they got some batteries out there. They're leading away in electronic batteries, man. Get up there and try to make a deal or something. Uh, he points to his own youthful experiences as a rider, including at least one incident when he claimed he was nearly killed at the tender age of 17 in a close-miss accident. Personally, business decisions ain't supposed to be personal. If there's a market out there, I think Tesla, you know, should get into it because, again, they already got the technology where you got these automatic cars, uh, the electric, they got a good mile range and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's time to get in, Tesla. Forget all the personal stuff, Elon, and get in. The lucky break clearly affected him. He's declared that Tesla, the world's best known and most successful electric vehicle company, would never do an electric two-wheeler. Now, it's funny. Do you guys know who Tesla is? Tesla's a very interesting man. This guy was a freaking genius. And I'm not talking about Elon Musk. I'm talking about Tesla. You know, it is said that after he died, the FBI actually came into uh, his uh, motel room and he died under mysterious circumstances, you know, especially back then when it happened. And his whole place was cleared out. There, you know what, there is talk that he actually had a device where it was like a cell phone tower and you can use the Earth's magnetic field to produce electricity. Well, you know what that would do to a lot of companies nowadays if it was free electricity. So, well, let's go on. That's just going off in other areas. Uh, missed opportunity, if you ask me. I won't argue with Musk's background because motorcycles are a lot more dangerous than cars, but most riders are aware of that and have accepted the risk. Totally agree there with this author, man. Totally agree. They should get into the market. They'd start dominating it if they did. Motorcycle sales declined substantially before and after the Great Recession and haven't shown signs of recovering any sort of upward trajectory. For uh, roughly the past 10 years, half a million bikes had been sold annually in the U.S. Now, that's where I disagree. If you look at uh, my video that I just put up talking about Harley-Davidson's uh, failed live wire launch, we went through a graph where in 2010, which is when the, the economy from the recession started coming out, they had strong sales going all the way up to 216. They had great sales. You know, it kept on a steady climb. And then after 2016, I believe because the CEO and this board that uh, Harley-Davidson currently has, sales just dropped like a rock, you know. And that just tells you about the management of these people, of this company. But Harley-Davidson don't have a good thing with, uh, you know, management of the company. Anyway, the plateau combined with an aging demographic for brands such as Harley-Davidson has led to widespread speculation that the motorcycle industry could be entering a period of slow structural decline. The only long-term solution to the problem is to get young riders interested in throwing a leg. Now, I can't, you know, I can't agree on that point. You know, they're always talking about the old guys and, you know, they, there's a point to it. But with, you know, you look at Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, they captured the younger generation 
of uh, Riders Manual. Well, they're crotch rockets and stuff like that. But with Harley Davidson, when they got rid of Buell, that was something that the kids were actually interested in. But again, they screwed Dad up with that decision, and Buell went on. Now he's in the electric bike market because he sees the potential. And, uh, you know, just the decision Harley Davidson's had, you know, the company has made is a joke. You know, again, the Buell was a good selling motorcycle, could have brought the generation in because these new generation kids, they're not, yeah, okay, they're not like the older guys who just like the regular street cruisers and stuff. No, they like speed. They like looking cool. So they're going for the rockets. You know, you know, then you put on top of that, most kids like the dirt bike stuff. Uh, as far as X Games, Harley Davidson's finally get into the X Games stuff. But, you know, those are the, what, that's what interests kids. It's not these big, big baggers, okay? And in the next segment, we'll talk about the decline of uh, large motorcycles. I think there are five ways to speed up that solution, and critically, I think Tesla is what the market needs to rebound. Here's why. He goes on to say, Tesla should be the Honda of electric transportation on two wheels and on four. Now, again, I was just talking about it. There's a rocket. Those are what the kids are in with. The Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki's, cows, all that type of stuff. That's what they're into. And Honda's leading the freaking way as well as Suzuki. You know, the <laughs> Suzuki. I love a Suzuki SX. Anyway. I've already argued that Tesla should aspire not to be a Silicon Valley tech car market, uh, man key, but a real car maker like Honda. The Japanese company makes everything from portable generators to private jets. Yeah, you know, Honda started up in 45 right after the war. And yeah, they really expanded worldwide with their product offering. So you can see how Tesla might aspire to a similar industrial culture. The company also makes an uh, energy storage system and, of course, its sibling, SpaceX, is an increasingly important aerospace player. Yeah, I don't know if you ever watched the SpaceX launches, but it's pretty cool. You know, look at them on YouTube. You know, they actually got a rocket deck, and this is <laughs> the company talking about the type of company. Yeah, they got a rocket that goes up, comes back down, and lands right on a pad. Honda also makes a lot of cars and motorcycles. In fact, motorcycles were how it got started in the U.S. Its bikes are splendid. Always a great option for anyone who wants to get on two wheels. Musk appara uh, apprehensions aside, this seems like a natural product line for Tesla to develop. Ah, here we go. The big uh, one in the room. Harley-Davidson is trying to be the big guy in the electric bikes, but it's going to be a tough challenge. And we talked about that. You got that. There's zeros right there. There are several electric motorcycle brands in the U.S. that aren't Harley-Davidson. California Zero Motorcycles, for example. But the overall market for electric bikes remains very small. It could grow in the coming years. Best, But a best-case scenario would be electric cycles taking up about 5%. Of course, that can change. Uh, say if you got a Democratic-elected president in the next couple years, or they hold uh, the House and Senate, there's going to be more of an environmental-friendly uh, type of deal where they'd be pushing more electric than gas. Uh, look at California with its insane gas prices. They're doing whatever they can uh, to push out gas uh, vehicles. It's possible 
that hardly this live wire when it goes on sale, which it already did, would capture a huge percentage of that market and that growth. But the live wire is going to be a $30,000 motorcycle, extremely expensive. And as I said in the last video about this subject, Harley Davidson flopped on its rollout. Flopped. That's a good initial strategy as it is almost ensure Livewire's profitability. But if Harley, along with Zero and others, can build a serious market, it could use Tesla's help. If Tesla jumps in, Harley's efforts would be validated and the U.S. electric motorcycle maker could achieve stay in power. You know, uh, anything with Harley, they always put their tip of their toes in the water, man. They never jump right into anything. And I really believe that, you know, look how many years it took for them to come up with a different line of freaking motorcycles, for Christ's sake. Yeah, now they're coming up with all kinds. And, you know, I've probably, if you ask me, they're trying to duplicate uh, the Japanese uh, manufacturer's uh, roadmap. Because they know that those Japanese have captured uh, the younger kids as well as, you know, the Germans and Triumph and stuff. You know, innovation between uh, with Harley-Davidson has been lacking, to say the least. Three, the Tesla brand would get people who've never thought about motorcycles to give one a try. Well, you know, you got that right. Uh, you know, they're already driving electric cars. They're into that type of stuff. And yeah, it'd be right there if they wanted to go on it. Uh, he goes on to say motorcycles are intimidating. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> You're playing with the Reaper at 70 miles an hour, man, and it only takes a pebble to knock you off that bike. Plenty of folks might have considered riding, but they can't overcome their anxieties. And the main brands in the U.S. have been around for a long time and catered to committed customers who aren't afraid to ride. Well, you know, new, you know, these new jacks and these newadays, man, they grew up with uh, parents saying, oh, it's going to kill you, it's going to kill you, and just totally bashed away and just talking about how people think nowadays. Yeah, you get my point. Uh, let's see here. In the U.S. have been around uh, a long time and catered to committed customers and where we got covered that. Tesla could change that and not incidentally encourage a host of Silicon Valley millennials to give a motorcycle in a shot. On top of that, I expect a Tesla cycle to be furiously cool, fast, and fun. Uh, you know what? Uh, one market I think Harley-Davidson's going to try to target is the moped business because you do got a lot of them college kids all over the place. You can actually go to UW-Madison. You see them all riding these things. So, you know, but again, they're not going to pay the Harley-Davidson price just for a stupid name. Uh, electric motorcycles are better. Okay, let's see why. No gas, no noise, no gears to shift. Everybody I know you who used to ride but gave it up has told me that electric motorcycles could get them back in the saddle. <coughs> Excuse me. Can you imagine that? Now, I know, you know, the pipes, the sound, the freedom on the road, and the safety aspect. But no gas, no noise, no gears to shift. Could you imagine if they finally got a range of, say, like 500 miles with an hour, uh, hour charging time? Tell me you wouldn't grab that bike. Come on, be honest. Let me know in the comments section. Five, governments could raise their level of support for electric motorcycles. And I talked about this earlier, uh, how the government would, especially if uh, you got Democrats in the office uh, for the next few years or the House, Senate. 
you're guaranteed to get this type of stuff, this kind of push. Look what they did during the Obama eras with solar. They were pushing solar, solar, solar. And, you know, anything environmental friendly, they're going to go for. And so, yeah, I know they, they're already getting behind the electric car ideal, man. And, you know, with all the rising gas prices, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'd like to see an alternative uh, to gas, you know, it's not because I hate uh, the gas or any of that. It's just price-wise for me, I would really like to see, you know, mileage, out of, you know, get rid of the freaking prices and stuff. Anyway, lost track here. I think the process of getting certified to ride a motorcycle in many states is too unreal. It's not that hard. Yes, it's necessary, but electric bikes being easy to ride could streamline the process. Governments could also expand tax incentives and other enticements to encourage motorcycle buyers to go electric. Tesla would be well positioned to grab some of that action. Gotta agree, man. Gotta agree. Tesla would uh, be a powerhouse if they came into this industry. And it might give them a shot in the arm because they got the technological will, the engineering will that could change the game, you know, but as far as Harley Davidson being the game changer, I do not see that happening. Again, it's a great looking bike, but you know, you're out of your mind. You're insane to think people other than, uh, you know, probably, you know, people with 150,000 and above uh, disposable income is going to be able to buy this type of stuff. You're talking more of your white collar workers, uh, city, urban, and, you know, you're not going to get urban kids on this or urban uh, men or women on this bike, not for that price. So take a quick uh, station identification break, and we're going to continue. Large motorcycles are a dying break. Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. Welcome back. We were talking yesterday, or did whatever video was, because this one stays up for a while, about how the argument was that Harley-Davidson owned 50% of the market. And I <laughs> contend it's the large bike market. And this is why Harley-Davidson's third uh, quarter sales is down, it bottomed out. Large motorcycle registrations are down significantly in the U.S., an alarming statistic to all motorcycle makers, but none more so than the most dominant force in the segment. Again, Harley-Davidson, yeah, they might own 50% of the market, but it is the big bike market, not the lower CC ones. Harley-Davidson, as their core customers ages out of riding HD, desperately needs young riders to save their iconic brand. But they just aren't doing it. And we're going to talk about why in this article. There's bad news for the motorcycle industry in the U.S. It's slowly dying. Which, if you look around uh, you, when you are out on the ride, it is hard to find a lot of younger riders if they're, well, if they're not on freaking uh, crash rockets and stuff. Because, like I talked in the last segment, the rockets are, is what's you know, catching these younger kids. This shit may sound alarmist, but with the recent release of industry statistics for the second quarter, and this is when it all started going bad in 2017, it's apparent that there is definitely a noticeable decline in motorcycle in America. Now, 2017 was Harley-Davidson's worst year. We did that one graph, 
in 2010 it started at uptrend and by time it got to 2017 man they fell through the freaking basement uh and it's a challenge that every motorcycle manufacturer is struggling with and preparing for at the core of the problem is the aging of the american or average american motorcyclist as successful young generations get into motorcycling at a progressively lower rate the current battleground among motorcycle manufacturers for new uh, customers is millennials who are now <laughs> sorry about that damn freaking alarm anyway the current back mount round among motorcycle manufacturers for new customers again is the millennials in their 20s and 30s are the prime age for purchasing recreational vehicles like motorcycles one problem with that strategy millennials aren't into them again there's been a lot more push for millennials to go to college uh which i don't agree with i believe in trade schools and stuff like that uh but you know you got 50 60 dollars worth of debt and all that kind of stuff yeah it's they're not going for these bikes it's not only something inherent to motorcycles that millennials are shying away from. Young people these days don't like to drive in general. Well, you know what? <laughs> they might have a point here because these kids don't even know how to drive stick uh, shift. They're like freaking deer struck in the headlights if you put a freaking stick shift in front of them. The very possession of a driver license has fallen double-digit percentages among teens and adults in the last... Uh, decades. A finding released in 2014, the University of Michigan study on the phenomenon. You know, that's why you're starting to see a lot more sales of e-bikes because you can actually go like uh, 30 miles with pedal assist, uh, ha uh, about 18, 19 miles on full electric. If you're living in an, uh, an urban area, this is just perfect and it don't take but a few hours to charge that battery. Anyway, the motorcycle industry is struggling with this along with the aging of its customer base overall. Uh, they talked about in 2016, the median age of the American motorcyclist is 47, up from 40 in 2009, 32 in 1990. Wow, that's a huge difference. Trace those numbers back and a scary discovery emerges the American motorcycle riding is more or less defined by a single age cohort that is getting older but not being replaced by new riders. Now, if you think about it, when you know I came up in the early 90s, but I was a lot younger and stuff because I was around that kind of stuff. But when you look at that, it's like, wow, that's amazing right there. And you're damn right they should be... Uh, freaking concerned but the different mentality among the ages now are a lot different than when a lot of us came up you know the mentality uh you know the me too stuff the freaking you know i deserve a trophy yeah it's just not uh good for the motorcycle industry uh another key uh metric particular to the american market heavyweight motorcycle new registrations has also plummeted by 7%. The brand most heavily affected by this trend is the longtime king among heavyweight bikes in the U.S., Harley Davidson. And I'm not trying to uh, hit on Harley Davidson, I'm really not, but 
you know, when you're talking finance and, you know, different lines and bringing in market share, Harley-Davidson's behind as it always has been. In the face of a shrinking market, several other manufacturers have done a good job creating less expensive, let's put less expensive in there, easier to own motorcycles that the young people who do ride seem to love. Ducati with its scrambler line, Yamaha with its widely successful FZs. But Harley-Davidson, little luck with its own version of the same strategy. It's not for lack of trying, they say. The motor company has released several new models with four-digit price tags aimed at younger riders, but the new models haven't met with much success. These younger riders equate Harley-Davidson with their fathers, grandfathers, the older generations, and to them, it's not cool. That's one of the images that Harley-Davidson has to get over. It used to be cool for us because we were in that mentality, but these younger kids, uh-uh. They look at it as an old man's bike. I've heard it a million times on the street where younger ones just say, yeah, that's an old man's bike. <laughs> Harley shouldn't have got rid of that freaking, uh, uh-uh, that Buell. They shouldn't have got rid of it. Uh, we've reported on it periodically over the last several years, but Harley-Davidson motorcycles have been slipping quarter after quarter for years now despite their continuous efforts to get new riders into the fold. You know, the way they're doing that, you know, they've even come out where they want to do a little electric bicycle for kids, and they're just trying to go anywhere they can without even thinking of what they're doing. That's what's sad. That's what's going on with Harley-Davidson. Uh, recent two uh, Q2 results from Harley-Davidson indicate that it isn't just the motorcycle sales that are slipping. Uh, it seems to be the brand itself. While sales of Harley bikes are down, its brand merchandising is far worse. Or sales are down 17%. Yeah, who wants to buy a $60 t-shirt? Raise their hand. Yeah, right. You know, and they wonder why. Then you got your jeans at 100 bucks. Then your boots at 150 bucks. When you can go to a freaking farm and fleet or a Walmart and get the same freaking thing without the name for freaking 30, 40 bucks. Uh, let's continue. Merchandise revenue, which, as bad as it sounds, is actually up from the 21% dip during the previous quarter. Harley's forecast for the rest of the year is no less bleak. And, of course, we heard about the layoffs going on. Uh, the decline of the brand itself is the real story here, which it is. As brand has traditionally been Harley's ultimate strength, Harley's core customers live, breathe, and die by Harley-Davidson. The lifestyle that surrounds it which includes a lot more than just motorcycles. Harley, owning a Harley is just the first step into a cultural world that for a large segment of Americans has always been seen as a sign of freedom, patriotism, and affluence. It's not like that anymore. Kids don't care. And you know what? A lot of people our age don't care either. I don't care what kind of bike you ride. You know, <laughs> the fat boy's the last uh, Harley I'm going to own. I'm going with freaking either a Honda, Yamaha, or uh, something in that thing as a road bike because, quite frankly, they're more dependable. You know, Indian, they're starting to get on par with Harley's price and they're getting too big for their britches, so I ain't going for that. You know, even though they got the Scout out there, that's a decent price, but uh, no, I'm going to probably go for that angle. You know, the Harley I always keep because I've owned dozens upon dozens of them over the years, but I just 
I'm not really into it. You know, when the company turns on its workers, that's when I say, yep, yeah, nope, I'm done. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, let's see here. Unfortunately, the young people that Harley-Davidson needs to recruit into its ranks to maintain growth don't see it the same way. Yeah, I just talked about that. It's not for lack of effort. Harley-Davidson has been an, a, on a company-wide push to appeal the millennials in particular with new, less expensive bikes and programs tailored at new riders, along with programs aimed at recruiting non-traditional Harley types, women and minorities, but they haven't been effective to move the needle. Well, maybe that's because your dealerships stink. Your dealerships, they got this, you walk in, okay? Do this experiment. Walk in there with just jeans, t-shirt, like the old school guys, and they'll thumb their nose up to you. Walk in there with some polos, some loafers and stuff, they're all on you. There are several uh, theories about why this is. One is simple, the fact millennials saddled by debt and struggling with underemployment. I talked about this earlier. Just don't have the money for expensive toys like Harleys and the lifestyle that accompanies them. The bikes other brands have deployed with much success among millennials have all been based on simplicity and value. Something HD isn't, it says, and doesn't want to be known for, which, <laughs> point on is what I have to say when I agree with you, point on. But another more nuanced explanation and potentially more menacing one is that there is a simple rejection among millennials of what HD stands for. The company may want to be seen as all-American, homegrown brand, but built on a traditional and nostalgia but on the streets, Harleys are often associated with the overly conspicuous consumption and material wealth of previous generations. Something that millennials are not only not fond of, but actually have a resentful towards. Them little tree huggers. <laughs> Put plainly, Harleys just aren't cool to young people anymore. I talked about that earlier. It's about the grandpa's bikes now. For an international mega brand like Harley... That's a major strategic problem, and I think that's why they're going overseas now. You know, in the Americas, they wore out their uh, welcome, if you ask me. And as the core Harley customer for whom Harley-Davidson was not just a motorcycle, but a way of life, ages away from the open road and toward the retirement home. Man, ouch! HD will have two choices, either pivot hard into new markets... Uh, a move which will surely upset the age and Harley faithful as such a move have in the past or keep doing what they are doing and age with them. The only problem with the later strategy, when you age, you eventually die. Very good article, man. Very good article. Let me know what you guys think. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to New Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle crack wide open.